Peace stars, what's up? It's your boy Iru. We got a special guest today. We got Mo Nix takes man from Twitter. We also got state too, man. So we're gonna I'm gonna pop in state to see if he's working. The state, can you hear me? <laughs> there goes state, you know what I'm saying? You already know how it is, man. So um we, we're gonna get it popping, bring Mo in here. What's good, Mo? What's up? What's up, man? How are you, man? Chilling, chilling, man. So I, I know you I know you to be a, a, a good dude, man. So I, I you know I met you once, you know, through through state because um he had his little uh hoodies for the for the um what was it the mighty fourth the seat mighty fourth seat hoodie the best hoodie I own man <laughs> so I actually hand delivered it to you I went all the way from from where he works at all the way to deep in Brooklyn to to give you the thing man so I, yeah, but man. it was worth it because you hooked me up yeah <laughs> it was worth it when you went out for a long drive man you ended up getting that nice car wash mm-hmm. took care of you man I appreciated it yeah no doubt no doubt. Yeah, so people people can't really tell by the way you look, you know, like you know when you're on the screen or hearing your voice and stuff like that. But uh, you know, you look like a fucking lumberjack <laughs> in, in person. You know what I'm saying? So like everyone that likes to pop shit on on Twitter likes to talk a lot of shit and stuff like that. Sometimes you gotta chill out, man, because you see these guys in person. And, you know, you're freaking like um, Paul Bunyan. Big difference. <laughs> yeah, big difference there. Yeah, man. So we're gonna get stayed in here in a few. We got it. We got. He got to get his own um, computer stuff together. I just hit him up, man. To, I'm gonna hit him now to tell him we can just put just get his phone popping, and we can just get it get it going like that. But um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the draft and stuff like that. So what's what's um like uh let's say like a roundabout take about the draft. What do you think about what's happening now with the Knicks? I mean, I feel it can go different ways from people that I've been speaking to. Everyone's high on Jaden Ivy. I mean, Knicks fans. Are always going to be worried. You know, we'll have that PTSD. We'll have that trauma. And whenever we talk to each other about stuff, I mean, I think it's it's pretty usual. Like, you you expect the Knicks to do nothing because there's been multiple times that they could do something and they haven't. But I don't know, man. As much as people hate the front office, I know there's a lot of questionable moves that they made, especially with Mitch Robinson this season. The trade deadline happened. He wasn't moved. He doesn't accept his qualifying offer. He becomes unrestricted. What's the situation with Mitch, right? And then you start talking about the draft coming up now, and we have these vets that we think that we want to move. Like, there's a lot of things that can happen. I mean, I have my own takes. I feel like everyone's takes are different, but I want to know what your takes are. What do you think about it? Well, me, I just want forward progress. You know what I'm saying? I, like, for me, it's just draw a line in the sand, and then let's just go. I don't care. It, it, let's say if the Knicks want to go crazy and get more vets and just double down and get another – Julius Randle level guy to add to RJ. If they want to do that, fine. But if they decide they want to, they want to get rid of Julius and double down on the youth and, and really build that way. I'm good with that too. I, I just want to just double down on one path and just hit it. You know, like 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 football. Hit the hit the hole and just go for it. You know, you're right. Direction to me is the most important thing. I mean, I've been pretty happy with what the front office has done the past two drafts. No, we we've hit well with with Grimes. We've hit well with Mitch. We've hit well with IQ. We've hit well with these guys. And Leon shown during draft night when everyone thought that he was quiet, not speaking, not saying a word. During draft night, he he made some moves that no one expected, and they came out to be some decent role players. Now, to me, the direction is that the Knicks have been moving forward. I mean, we we didn't have a terrible season. We were thirty-seven and forty-five. Thirty-seven for we we won one game in February. Okay, so. To me, like I feel like the production's there, but Knicks fans are so to the we need to be in the playoffs, we need to do this because we're that almighty fourth seed. And that's where I give all the shout out to State because that fourth seed really put a lot into some Knicks fans' head. But what Knicks fans don't realize is that this is the first time in the last decade 
You have eight assets under the age of 24. You have 15 draft picks in the next three years. You should be happy, but I agree with you that the most important thing is focusing on a direction. Yeah, you know, like, like, um, especially like, uh, say, like the moves. Everyone always says, like, the Knicks uh, always, always uh, draft wrong. We always get the wrong player. Uh, Mitch Robinson was a second round pick. <laughs> you know, now people seem to want to give him $20 million over six years or whatever the hell, whatever random um, take that people come up with. So, like, uh, you know, we, we've been doing well uh, t- picking up these guys. So, we, we just, right now, we just had to clean up what, what we're doing now and just pick that, pick that path and stuff. So let me just throw something at you because I mean we're talking about Jaden Ivy and all these other stuff, man. But let me let me just throw this random, um, you know, guy here because this is this is draft time. So we, we're gonna get all these these takes, uh, all these um, uh, what do you, what do you want to say like uh, reports and stuff? You ever heard of Adonis Arms? Yeah, <laughs> Who the fuck mind. is Adonis Arms, bro? You know what I'm saying? He, he had a Knicks uh, workout. And this is him on his on on Twitter on IG. Really, he posted this in his story, saying that you know he had his workout. His name is Adonis Arms, man. Six year uh, uh, college player coming into the NBA. You know, Texas never heard Tech. of him. You ever heard of him? I think Texas Tech. Yes, Texas Tech. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but like, maybe these picks are probably people that are looking at in the second round. But I didn't even know they were working him out. Yeah, I mean, to me personally, I've never heard of the dude. You know, Texas Tech, I'm, I'm familiar with, with a lot of the college team stuff, but just like, like, that's not a play that ever stuck out to me. And then I had to do a quick Google search. And I, I mean, I think the guy, he, I don't, I think he cracked the 10 point mark the year before. And then this year, I think he had like eight points a game or something like that. So he's not like a, like an impact player or anything. You know, he has like, everybody has a mixtape. You know, I got a mixtape. You know, I got a mixtape, mixtape somewhere on Instagram that I posted yeah. a couple yeah. years ago. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. you know, it's just that time of the year, you know, for, for all that stuff. You have any <laughs> obscure players that you think about, like like an Adonis that you that um that you think might have an outside chance of of making an NBA team? No, no. To be honest, I haven't really focused on like late second rounders or people that might go undrafted. Mm-hmm. I've just focused on on first rounders. I try I try realistically thinking what's going to benefit our team. You know what I mean? Right. Like again, like I feel like my views are very different than everyone else's views, and I feel like people get pissed off when I explain it. But I basically like I have a theory behind all of it, and I just uh, that's just the way that I am, you know. Yeah, I'm here for all of it. I like to hear everybody's opinion, especially you know this this is a guy that everybody hates, uh, uh, Raf Diaz, man. They always snapping on him on Twitter, man. They always giving him. Yeah, Ralph in the chat, man. Yeah, Ralph in, in that fifty person thread on Twitter. So yeah. Ralph pops in once every couple of hours. And yeah. he, he hits us with a little punchline, man. But that's rough. Yeah, he, he's great, though, man. You know that that's what it's all about. You know, we all having fun with with the Knicks coming up with different takes and stuff like that. Meanwhile, my son is freaking dying in the other room. What the hell is going on over there? He wasn't coughing all day. Now he's coughing his head off right now. Yeah, man. So um, okay. Well, I hear him like crazy. He's like he's like like having an asthma attack or something. But um, uh, what, what do you what do you think about um Jane and Ivy? Do do you think it's it's a possibility for us to make that trade to bring them over over into the Knicks? Yes, yes. My reasoning is that Sacramento made some moves this year that a lot of people thought they were dumb for by trading Tyrese Halliburton. And to me, I honestly think that they sort of made a great trade. Sacramento was able to move on from Buddy Hield's contract for eighty million dollars. They moved Tyrese Halliburton, and they brought in a two-time All-Star who's only 25 years old in Sabonis, who's also a 20-10 guy. 
and they didn't have to move one first round pick. Like a, a lot of people are not on the thing. You brought in a two time all star that's 25 years old. He's not in his prime, and he's going to be there with your team for the next seven to eight years. And you didn't have to move a first round draft pick for it. you. Gave him a rookie. I mean, listen, I love Tyrese Halliburton. I wish he was a Nick. Yeah, of course. And people think like, oh, yeah, but they gave up two. I don't think they, they were able to move on from money from Buddy Heald. That's, that's a hefty contract. Right. And they, they're in one now mode. I think Sacramento's front office should be more worried than anything. Like, they're in a situation now where, like, okay, you moved Halliburton, then you have to show us what you want to do next. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't think that drafting a guard is going to benefit them. If anything, I think they take Keegan Murray over Jaden Ivey. I just feel like all the hype of Jaden Ivey is getting all over the NBA, and that, that's the thing. But I feel like a person like Keegan Murray benefit that team more when they have De'Aaron Fox and Davion Mitchell. You understand what I mean? Yeah. So so, so that, that's what I see from Sacramento's point of view. Like, for me, as a Nick fan, I think that there's plenty of different packages that you can offer them that would work. And, like, I know a lot of Nick fans wouldn't like to hear the packages or think that it's crazy – you have eight young assets. You're not going to be able to sign all of these players, and we have to be realistic about that. Right. So when you're talking about who you have, you have Obi, you have Cam, obviously you have RJ, who, who's supposed to be our future. You have Quentin Grimes, you have Jericho Sims, you have Deuce McBride. So you ha- you have these young guys. Who would you want to keep on this team? Exactly. This guy, uh, one guy that sticks out to me is Miles McBride. I mean, he's not—he's like the king of Westchester right now. He—he he was having like amazing games. I caught a couple full games where his whole demeanor and everything about his game is way different than what you see under Tom Thibodeau. He just has more freedom in down in the G League. So that's just untapped potential. So um, worrying about drafting a point guard and and, try, and signing, you know, looking for one. I mean, you you already have we already have um, well quickly here. You know, we got Rose still that we got to deal with. Everyone forgets about Derrick Rose. You know, he but he's making $14 million on the roster. We got to figure out what, what we're going to do with that. Walker is like, obviously, he's going to be gone. You know, but he's still here, though. He's still on the contract. So these are things that we have to get have to get rid of, man. So, you know, um, you know, just moving forward, like, say, like, with Sacramento, uh, a deal like like they did just, just to get rid of a contract, uh, they still was to get an all-star and stuff. That, that, that part of the trade, no one ever talks about. They only talk about the Halliburton situation. You know, oh, they got rid of Halliburton already. You know, what are they doing over there? But but there's a bigger picture with everything. There's financial, there's roster fit. What are they trying to do? You know, they, they don't want to have a center there. You know, they, they drafted Bagley and stuff. They you know they didn't really have a real center. So I think they they just want to play like that. No, hundred so, percent. I agree with you, one hundred percent. Right. So you know, I'm saying all that to lead up to Julius Randle. Like like um how like like how serious do you think that would be like for Sacramento to take on a Julius Randle to to pair up with Sabonis? I completely apologize. My screen went out. I don't know if you see me. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I hear you. So when I think about it, there's a lot of questions that I have. Okay. The first thing is when I spoke with Sacramento Kings reporter, Sean Cunningham, I asked them about the situation and why did Sacramento go with Savonis instead of someone like Julius Randle? Did the Knicks reach out? Was Halliburton available in trade talks? to the whole league that people know about it because it seemed like it came out of the field. Like no, no one, no one saw the straight happening and it just right. came out overnight. I was like, did the Knicks know that he was available? He's like, Halliburton was made available a month prior to that trade. And that's something the fans don't know. Right. John Cunningham has been with Sacramento for 16 years on their radio and reporting for them. And he's covered five NBA finals. So like he, he has his respect around the league. And he told me that it was been out there for a month and they waited for the best, best offer. So then it makes you question, like, if they didn't want Julius Randle then and they wanted Sabonis, 
Like, did the Knicks not offer enough? Or do they not like Julius Randle? So now when it comes down to a trade for this fourth pick, if it is for Ivy, if you're figuring that Jabari's going one, Chet's going two, Bonchero's going three, I don't know if they're going to want Julius Randle. I mean, Sean Cunningham also said that they're in win-now mode. They want to win now. Like, if they don't win, Wes Wilcox and McNair are probably going to get fired. They're GM and assistant GM. Like, the, you, you moved to Halliburton and they're not winning. What the hell did you do to this franchise? You know what I mean? Right. So if they don't take a Julius Randle, because my, my first offer would have been, I mean, my personal offer, if I wanted to move on from Randle, was I'll give you 11. I'll give you Randle. And I'll give you next year's Dallas first. You give me the pick number four, and I'll take on Harrison Barnes for cap situations for us. And I know that they have a trade exception, but still, I'll take on Harrison Barnes. I'll have Harrison Barnes back up Obi Toppin, and I wouldn't have a problem with it. Harrison Barnes is a good two-way player. I, I mean, he's a veteran. You can't have a, a team of all rookies or all young guys, which every fan wants. Just play 20 young guys. It doesn't work like that. You need to have some veterans on this team. So that's what I would have offered. Do I think it's going to happen now? I don't know. I don't think the Knicks would throw more with Julius Randle because of optics as well. The Knicks aren't – they just paid the man. They're not going to get rid of Julius Randle for free. They won't do it. James Dolan loves Julius Randle. Randle right. has a direct line to, to James Dolan, and, and people that are close in the media know that. So then I start saying then we have to talk about young picks. And I've been talking to some people that know a lot of information that I've met throughout the years, you know, being a season ticket holder, some people that, that, that know a lot. And – you start to say, like, maybe some guys would be offered in the pick with some picks, and it'll be better because Sacramento will get a player that they need. Maybe if Julius Randle is not going to be on like on the radar for other teams, you're going to have to deal with him for the next year, and he's probably going to be your starting forward going on the following season. Maybe you have to trade Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin with a point guard and a young team could play very well. I mean, you can imagine the same way you'd want Jaden Ivey running the fast break with Obi Toppin. They have De'Aaron Fox, who's arguably the fastest guy in the league with a basketball in his hand. With Obi Toppin, I mean, that, that's, that can work with them. Yeah, and Sabonis is a great passer, too. So Sabonis yeah. is going to find guys. And he can so that's totally see it. You know? And he can spread the floor. Then yeah. you have another player like Cam Reddish. We have forwards. We, we have Quentin Grimes. Quentin Grimes is looked at by the, the Knicks. Love Quentin Grimes, you know? He shows that motor. He shows that great work ethic. He's a 3 and D type of player. He can put the ball on the floor and drive to the basket. Remember, Cam Reddish is on, is on a contract year. You're going to have to pay him. You're going to have to pay R.J. Barrett. You're going to have to pay these guys. You can't just let them walk. And you're going to have to remember, you're going to have to pay IQ next year. You're going to have to pay Obi Toppin. So there's players that you have to pay. You, you can't pay everybody. So, I, I mean, I, I personally could see if that they don't take Julius Randle and Obi Toppin, pick 11, Next year's Dallas and a probably a 2024, 2025 first rounder. If I'm the Knicks, I'd probably make it a top five or top 10 protected if I could. But with a pick swap, probably from both of them, because you know everything was with pick swaps now. And yeah. I'd still take on, like, like, like I don't know if, because they, they have an exception. So, so they, they can afford everything. The Knicks don't have to take on Harrison Barnes unless they want to move Harrison Barnes. But if it's going to be a young guy with three picks, I mean, I'm with it. And Knicks fans, like, you're trading the farm. Now, this is what you save your picks for. This is what you draft young assets for. The Knicks have been moving in the right direction for the first time in a decade, and people aren't realizing it. This is not a Carmelo Anthony trade. You're not trading three of your starters plus uh, three future picks. You're not doing that. You're trading – you have five picks next year, and or six picks next year, four second rounders next year. So there's still stuff where you can use these second rounders to move up and get a late first. And then if you're getting your point guard of the future, which you haven't had in 20 years, to be alongside – 
your your wing player in RJ Barrett that you want to build through, I think it could be something great. So we got a surprise. Hey, Stay, can you hear us now? <laughs> Yo, Stay has been trying to get on for like the last like almost like half an hour right now. So can you can you hear us, Mr. State? <laughs> Stay still can't hear, but uh, you know, he's still popping in and out. But uh, as soon as I see him again, I'll pop him back in there, man. But you know, I just I just want to touch on a couple things that you were saying. You know, like uh, I, I was talking about tradition the last couple um, podcasts or whatever. Oh. Like, like the Knicks, I, I feel like defense and uh, and just like a ball movement and things of that nature. We won championships in the '60s that way. You know, we won championships um, with the Knicks. You know, you know, around Ewing, different different kind of setup, but there's a lot of ball movement on on perimeter. Team play, strong minded defensive players. So I feel like we need to get there again. You know, but um, uh, mentally, I feel like the young guys that we've drafted, I think we're on that path there. You know, so. Uh, Julius Randle is probably like the only the wink link to that. So, um, you know, but but at the same time, he's still a, a NBA All-Star. You know, so he's still a guy that can give you 20, 10, and 5. Whatever trade that we make for him, he's going to be the best player in the trade. You know, so there is respect around the league for him. Amongst, amongst Knicks fans, is a different story. You know, so I'm, I'm thinking maybe like if he was to go like to, to Sacramento, uh, tradition might come into play also because they had Chris Webber there. You know, they had Brad Miller. They had Vladi Divac. So maybe they see Sabonis as Vladi Divac. Maybe they see, you know, Julius Randle as, as like a, a Chris Webber. And maybe they feel like they can get lightning in, in a bottle again, you know, with the same kind of setup. You know, so what do you, what do you think about that? The nostalgia stuff that I'm throwing out there at you? No, I, I mean, I agree with the perspective 100%. My only problem is that other teams, we don't know how they feel about Randle. Because from what you watch as him being a Nick, he needs the ball in his hands. He can't play off the ball. And this is a situation where he's going to have to play off the ball. He right. can't play with the ball in his hands. Is he willing to do that? Because Julius Wendell can play completely well for a team if he's a second or third option. If he's a second or third option, he'll be able to help them. He yeah. can give you a 15 and 10 a game. He'd be able to do that. But I think just for this Knicks current roster that we have, he limits improvement for the players that we have. So with him having such high usage and RJ trying to take over at the second half of the season, RJ was just putting his foot down saying, like, excuse my language, but enough of this shit. Like, like yeah. I've been here for three years. I'm not supposed to be stuck on the side of the, of the baseline. Like, I'm a player that can play on ball. I'm a player that can take it to the rack by myself. And RJ is the only Nick compared to them that has shown consistent improvement year after year. Like, everyone's like, I don't see RJ as your number one player. I'm not saying he's your number one player. He might be a number two player. But at the same time, you haven't given him the opportunity to show what you can do as the number one player. And when he has been given that opportunity, he dropped 40 points against the Lakers. He didn't drop 40 points against a couple of bums. He dropped 10 30-point games this year. He wasn't rated top 100 players on the tournament. The stuff is just disrespect because it's New York media. Right. If he was from any other team doing what he's doing now, he'd be a top 10 guy under 25 years old in the whole league. Right. And it's just a disrespect that you see. So, like, for me, the, the reason why I'd move Julius Randle is not because I hate him. Not, yeah, I hate him. That's not the point. To me, <laughs> his accountability. He doesn't take any accountability as a man. You know, like, you're the leader of this team. You have eight babies on this team. These guys are youngins. These guys are 23, 22, 21 years old. Okay, when you mess up and you're not playing well, support your guys. Get back on D. You know, get the ball to RJ. Let him take over for that game. You see multiple times where Tatum and Brown play after Al Horford got there. And Al Horford talked a lot into these guys' ears. Both of you stop complaining, little babies. You guys can both bowl. You can both score. Whoever's feeling it, give them that ball that night. That, that night. It's happened right. a lot where Tatum drops 40, Brown drops 15. Brown drops 40, 
uh, Tatum drops 15 and, then opposite, and vice versa. So you have a situation like that with RJ and you could have done it. But instead of him getting back on D, he's complaining to the refs throwing his hand up. Instead of him supporting Obi Toppin to get into the game, he's complaining. I'm at every Nick game, and I sit right there at half court. And I'm staring at him at every timeout. I've taken multiple videos and put it on Twitter of him on the corner, not even listening to the coach, of him on the side, not even caring what's going on. And you don't like that. You know, you, you don't like that. Right. He's, he's your leader. He's a big man, the, the physical force that you, you physically see him. You know, when stuff happens, he's the big guy, you know. So yeah. um, Horford is that dude. You know, Horford, um, you know, if Horford's going to tell you what to do and, and um, demand stuff out of you, um, you have to catch up now with Horford because Horford is going to show and prove. He's going to tell you what you're doing wrong, but he's also going to run through a brick wall and hoping that you're right behind him. Or maybe ne next time you run through the wall and he run behind you. That's the difference. Julius Randle is just banging his head against the wall and everybody's looking at him like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? You it's know, and it's a stubbornness. Like I told yeah. you, I don't mind if he dropped 10, 5, and 5 the whole year. If he played terrible. As long as he's there for his teammates as the leader, it's a different story. To me, accountability is very big in the league, especially when you're in New York. You wanted to be here. You wanted that big contract. You wanted to be the leader of this team for a reason because you're the face of the whole country. Now give me 20, 10, and 5 on empty stats and you're just sitting inside the paint and the rebound just falling to you every time and you get in the bowl for 50% of the game, so you're obviously going to hit a fucking – excuse my language. You're obviously going to hit layups. Curse, man. This is – I don't know if you know this channel, man. I curse like a sailor on this damn thing. Oh, yeah, so, say so what you got to say. There's no way you're not going to drop 20 and 10 and 5 unless you're fucking – unless you're terrible. Like, like right. You have the opportunity to score in this team because the coach gives you all the limits that you want. Go out and do whatever you want. So, like, if you don't drop 20, 10, 5, then you're a bum. But he's not. Like, I, I, I tell you again, as much as we all hate him, I just hate the fact of no accountability and being very stubborn and not being supportive to the other young guys. That's what bothers me the most. Whoa. We got to get State in here. What's good, State? Bro, I said Randall. I don't care about the 20, 10, 5. That, that stat is just, it's just so empty. Him in a winning situation. It's averaging 15 and 10. It means that he's not on ball. He's playing his role. He's a good player. I think that's the most disrespectful part about last season was you come off an amazing season, one of the best Knicks seasons I've ever seen in my life. You get paid. And then the first thing that comes out last offseason was you come into camp out of shape. That start, we should have known right there. Right then and there, it was going to be a downhill season. I can't excuse – I'm not excusing nothing he did last season. He's a good player, by the way. But at the same time, the Knicks need to pick a direction. And I think that's the biggest thing. And if you're not going to pick a direction, I feel like you have to find a way to have Randall and Obi on the court. Because there's no reason why Obi – I don't want to hear about Obi getting 13 minutes a game next season. I, I don't want to have that argument with, with – Eru, no more. I'm done with that. I want to see good basketball. And I feel like last season was very disrespectful for Randall. You go one for – you give us the thumbs down. Then the very next game, you go one for nine. And you don't even speak to the media. Then you avoid the media for nine games straight. And you have R.J. Barrett talking for you, who's 21, who shouldn't be talking for you after you – you, you're already an all-star. We we deemed you the leader of the team, and we deemed you the best player on the team. So you don't speak. And then when you do speak, the only game you spoke is when you scored 30 and a loss. Dude, you got to stop your nonsense, man. And it's, it's he's once a Nick, always a Nick, but he got to go. 
He got to go. It's no. It's. It, I, I just want to see Obi play. I feel like Obi helps the team better. Obi hustles more. Obi feels like he wants to be a Nick. He plays hard. The other players around him play hard because he's playing so hard. Granted, he's not a rim protector, but maybe he could get that skill within him, right? Maybe he's not his post ups ain't good. Maybe his post up um um strength ain't good enough yet. But maybe it could happen, you know. But I just rather see Obi to this point. Like I'm done with the whole Randall stuff, the whole twenty ten and five. I'm muting that on Twitter when I get back to Twitter. I'm muting twenty ten and five. I don't want to see it no more. It's just a hollow stat. It's very hollow. If he was on a winning team, you think of, you think if he go to Portland next season, you think he averaged a twenty ten and five? No. He might. <laughs> he he might. will be that. He will be. He dubs to right the shade, bro. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, if he stays, if he stays, I have no problem with him. You get what I'm saying? Just figure. I just want him to get his shit together. That's that's the the main issue. Like Thibodeau needs to figure out. No, not even Thibodeau. Leon Rose needs to make a move within the next five days. I'm going to be pissed off. And Thibodeau needs to find, figure out how the hell is he going to get Randall and Obi on the court together? Because if you're not going to trade him. How about I give you a hot take based off of that? Okay. Go ahead. I'll give you two things. Number mm-hmm. one, I spoke about this during the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. I felt personally, this is what I'm thinking, that Leon Rose, Tom Thibodeau, James Dolan sat down. They had a talk. Dolan, Rose, told Tibbs, you have until the rest of the season to do what you want to do. You don't want to play Cam. You don't want to play these young guys. You want to make a playoff push. You want to hit the play-in? Go for it. Because Dolan wanted to be in the play-in. Dolan cares about his money. Dolan cares about his money, bro. And New York being in the playoff series makes him a lot of money, much more money than all other, other states and other teams, bro. A lot of people don't realize that, but it makes him a lot of money. He cares about his back. Mm-hmm. They told him, you do what you got to do. If it doesn't work out, next season, you're forced to play the kids. If not, you're off this team. Because if he's fired, he's 65 years old. He's not getting a job anywhere else in this league. And yeah. everyone knows that. He knows that as well. Yo, that stresses me out a lot, man. The, the, yeah. the because I mean, if we start the season off bad and, and then we have to trade him like two weeks or like before Christmas and he and he's like fired, I, I would be devastated, man. You know, yeah. I, so that's why I don't think it'll happen that way. Why Why would they bring him back and extend his contract for the full five years if he just did this with all these young guys? And the whole league was shocked. You have all these young guys. Why the hell aren't they playing? Right. It's not just us as Nick fans. It's the whole league. We have arguably one of the best young benches in the whole league. Top five, I'd say, with young young studs. So I feel like he gave him that motive that next year you're forced to play these young guys. If you're going to be here, you don't have a choice because you didn't make the plan. Now, my second hot take is that I'm probably about 90% sure, I'd say, stay ready, that either Julius Randle or Obi Toppin is not here by the end of the offseason. I do not see a way where they're both going to be on this team together. All right. That's me personally. I think that the Knicks are willing between to now and, and next week. I think he's yeah. going between now and next week, I think. And I think <laughs> the Knicks were willing, and they are still willing to move Julius Randle for the right price. They're not going to attach picks to Julius Randle after paying him that money. They're not going to be made fun of because of optics in this league to, 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 to trade him for nothing. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see a player like Obi Toppin and that Sacramento deal or in that deal to get Jay Nivey. As much as Knicks fans want to see Jay Nivey throwing lobster over top and on a fast break, Wes McNair and Wilcox think that 
De'Aaron Fox with a basketball in his hand running full court with Obi Toppin next to him might be something pretty damn pretty too. <laughs> so, like, you you got to think about it from both perspectives. Just a rebuttal real quick. So why the fuck people tell me about 2010 and 5, bro? Well, like, why Why is this that? Why everybody... <laughs> but, yo, 2010 I didn't mention it. Yo, me, me and State argue about this all the time. Yo, you cannot fake 2010 and 5. Even I, though he I could be trash, so. you might think that he's not a bad, not a, not a good player. It, it takes a lot to get 20 points, 10 rebounds, and 5 assists. I still think it's a fake stat. I agree with State, bro. If you watch every Nick game... Other fans around the league, they don't watch every Nick game. They watch the highlights of him dropping 20-5. But when you're a Nick fan and you're watching every Nick game and you see him just camping there in the paint, which I'm surprised he doesn't get like 12 three-second violations every fucking night. It makes absolutely no sense to me. But yeah, Mitch, Mitch does the game. same thing, though. Mitch be yeah. sitting right there. Sitting right Mitch next to him. on an offense. Tom right. Thibodeau throws, throws Obi Toppin in the corner like he's Steve Novak. I mean, Obi Toppin was the worst two-point <laughs> shooter in NBA history for the first six months of the season. Everyone forgot about that. That's not what he was here for. Until yeah. they started allowing him to put the ball on the floor. Until they started running plays for him getting to the basket. And I felt like that was just Nick players doing it themselves, not Tom Thibodeau. Right. That, that's how it is. And to me, I, I mean, from what I've seen and what I've heard, Tibbs loves IQ. The Knicks front office love him as a six-man. Every every team needs a player that can come off the bench and score. Even if you have IQ as a six-man going on forward, he can still finish games with, with the team. You know what I mean? He can still be there in the fourth quarter. The same situation as Lou Williams. Same situation as Joel Crawford. These guys were six men, but they led the team sometimes during the season in scoring. Led the team sometimes in top five in the team on minutes played, even though they came off the bench. Same thing with Manu Ginobili. You know what I mean? So it doesn't mean that's something bad coming off the bench, but Evan Fournier, to me, is 100% not getting moved, and Knicks fans have to stop thinking about that. The Knicks front office brought in Evan Fournier to do exactly what he did. They told you, we're going to pay you $19 million a year. Come here and shoot threes. They didn't tell him to play defense. Everyone watched him in Charlotte and uh, Boston. Everyone watched him in Orlando. He doesn't play D. He can knock down threes. And what did he do to save his ass? He beat the Knicks' three-point record. And you think they're going to trade him? So let me say this. We all just watched the playoffs for two months straight. Mo, who playoff rotation Evan Fournier going to play in next summer? Because he will get hunted by other teams. It's no re- – all right, Alex trying to play a contender. He's going to be on the New York Knicks. No, I'm not Tom, mad. At listen, him. this guy right here is not coaching every every team in the NBA. You know, Tom was not coaching every team. It's, it's it's just Evan Fournier tells me he's going to start. Like that's why I don't want him. I don't want him here because if he's here, Tibbs is going to start him. And then we're going to go through the same thing over again. And what's even more disgusting about that is. When you say when this possibly Obi could be traded, so you're telling me center X, whoever that player is, Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, Evan Fournier, and Jaden Ivey. I don't like that starting line. I don't like. I don't like. I don't like. I, I, I'm, I'm not I don't excited. Blame you. Oh, these guys here. Why are we signing really? At the same time, no matter who you start next year, are you expecting to be a playoff team? Yes, next year. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I don't expect to be completely honest with you. I'd be so happy if the Knicks play all of the young next year, lose every single game, but you show me development from the young guys. I wouldn't mind it. And I don't see the Knicks, as long as they're in the right direction and they make the moves that allow the younger guys to get playing time and development, I'd be fine with it. I personally think Alec Brooks is the first person gone. I think Alec Brooks has a lot of value in this league. 
to help contending teams, especially with this contract. So I can see Burks going to Portland. I can see Burks going to Denver. I can see Burks going to Cleveland. I can see Burks going to any of these teams that need a wing that can shoot the three ball. I can see it happening. So I can, and his contract is very cheap at around $10 million. So I can see Burks being moved. Everyone thinks that Noel has no value. I still think that Nerlens Noel can be a solid back backup center on someone's team at $10, $11 million a year because he can protect the rim. Is he ever healthy? No, he wasn't this year. But the Knicks paid him for a reason because Mitch wasn't healthy. And he showed up in your almighty fourth C team state. He showed up for them. Yeah, that happens, they had to pay him. You know what I mean? It's either that or you don't know what the hell's going to happen with Robinson. So if they are capable of moving Burks and Noel, and if no one wants Kemba Walker, if Charlotte doesn't want him, no one wants him, and you buy him out, I think they try to make a deal with Mitchell Robinson. I think so. I think Mitchell is going to want 17, 18 million a year. I think a team like Detroit or a team like Charlotte will give him four for 72, four for 75. And that wasn't for paying him. He's always been injured. You know, he hasn't been healthy. He's gained a lot of weight after having a broken foot. And a broken foot for a center is very different. He can't spread the floor. He can't knock down the three ball. And if I'm Mitchell Robinson, to be completely honest, I'd leave the Knicks. I've been here for four years. You haven't got me a point guard. You had Alec Brooks not throwing me lobs. Why the fuck would I stay in New York? Why wouldn't I go to Detroit with Cade Cunningham, who I can run pick and rolls with, drop 15 and 10 a game, be defensive player of the year and get four blocks a game? Why not do that? Right, and I have to deal with somebody like me cursing them out every week, talking how about how shitty Mitchell Robinson is, you know. So uh, you go to like another another state, they're just, they're just not as savage as we are here, you know. You know Boston and all these other 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 um, cities and Philly, they have their own way of of, of treating their their um, players. But just to the fact where we we break them down so crazy because we just know the game so much that we break them down crazy. That, that's a lot of stress, man. Well, listen, I, I'm just trying to get a sweat. I'm just trying to get. You know, some girls. I'm trying to get me a car. I'm trying to get me a couple dunks in the game and stuff like that. And this motherfucker Eru over here talking about that. I need to get a post move. I need to change my my shooting form. And I need to shave my armpits and all this other shit. You know what I'm saying? So that that's a lot of uh, stress. You know, from from um from that standpoint. So, but you know, like you know, when you were talking about all these players, you know, um, all these guys have value. Evan Fournier, uh, you know, uh, like like you said, uh, Alec Burks of the of the league. You know, they they can support another team as far as being in a rotation. The, the problem with the Knicks is that we have um, guys on the roster that are, you know, young or whatever, but they basically do the same thing. So, like, um, getting the, like having these players, Fournier and Alec Burks and all these guys, they're not really moving the needle. So if they're not moving the needle in that way as far as making the team better, then um, then that's the reason why that we need to get rid of them too. Um, you want me to tell you why Evan Fournier won't leave besides a three-point record? Go ahead. Name me the top 15 shooting guards in the league. The oh, top my. 10 of them are all all-stars, all right? right After so 10, who do you have? After 10. Yeah, after 10, who do you have? Evan Fournier. <laughs> Buddy Field. Listen, Buddy to, listen to him. Listen to him. Danny Green. These these are these are the shooting guards. The shooting guards, the weakest position in the NBA, see? Besides the 10 all-stars, you don't have any backups. Then you get to these players. Yeah, I agree with that. But uh, I, I agree to disagree. Shooting guard right now, the position is probably the weakest it's ever been in the past yeah. like 20 years. Yeah. Now where I disagree is this draft, this past draft with Jalen Green and those boys, um, Ant-Man, these past two drafts, and the next draft that's coming up is going to restock the NBA with good shooting guards. So it, it, it's just a way and see for me. But the real thing with, with our roster when it comes to Mitchell Robinson, when you watch the finals, Robert Williams, that is the, that is the thing that caused me to pause. But 
to rebuttal myself with that, to just play devil's advocate even more, is the team that won the finals don't got a seven-footer. They just got a bunch of wings. Cam, um, I've I seen a stat. Cam, uh, um, not Cam Reddish. Oh, my God. I hope Cam Reddish is watching Wiggins. I've seen a stat with Wiggins held Tatum to 35% in the finals, and Draymond held Jalen Brown, this is when they was guarding them, to like 21% in the finals. So it depends on how you want to build your team, honestly. Like, I, I like Evan. You know, he's not annoying. I understand he's a, he's a shooter. What scares me with him is not Evan, though. What scares me with him is the 64-year-old dummy, you know, that's our coach. He's going to start him next season, bro, if Evan is here. I'm scared optics, of that, optics. man. Optics. That, 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 I'm scared of that, man. And Thibodeau, you got to – he's the type of guy you got to take his toys away. He's like one of those kids that you really got to take his toys away in order for him to get get with the program. So, that, that I, I don't know, man. I don't know. It, but, you it, know, it, you sign a guy like Tom Tito because he's supposed to be bringing the program. So that that's like a com, you know a conflict of interest there, man. That, that that's that's our biggest problem in, in this in this offseason is um satisfying the fact that we have Tom Thibodeau and that we keep, we're not getting rid of him and also satisfy the, the roster. So we have so many different different things to um to balance here as far as cups is concerned, just to get this old thing t- from from um to prevent it from tipping over. Because because uh, um one you know like if, if we if we don't um have a productive offseason, this whole thing could just hit the floor, you know, like we, and we'll be like stressed out for another year. And waiting for another draft to come off to, to oh, grab a player. That's Tim's gonna be fired. I'm gonna be dancing for joy. Dancing for joy. I might. I might. Man, if we start losing, man, I might get me a gallon of henny because I'm gonna start drinking every day. Because I already know Tim's gonna be fired. That's gonna be the day I'm gonna be so happy because I don't see the ceiling with him at all. So, like, okay, let, let's say with the draft. Let's say, let's say we don't move up, and then like, because the Knicks haven't done that yet. You know, we haven't made a big splash yet. So if everything stays the same, right, uh, what do you think about these these guards and stuff? Because they did bring it up that, uh, you, know, you know, you brought it up first that um that the, the, like the NBA shooting guard is just like non-existence right now. You got top 10 and then a bunch of bums after that. But now this year, I, I want to say, uh, you know, in this draft, there's, there's like at least 10 guys that, that possibly could be rotational or possibly starters in the NBA, you know, within the next couple of years. You know, I'm going to pull up. Here, let me ask you a question. Is there anyone on this list after a 10 that you would play and give you playing time to over the young guys you have on this current roster now? Uh, Are you giving Johnny Davis? Are you giving Usman Diang? Are you giving Malachi Bram? Are you giving any of these guys playing time over Cam Reddish, Quentin Grimes? Let's be, let's, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Grimes and Cam Reddish ain't good enough for me to say, just for me to say, listen. Johnny Davis can't play over him, right? We don't know that. We so why do? don't you trade him? Huh? So why don't you trade them in a deal? <laughs> <laughs> you can't keep all these young guys. Cam Reddish is on contract here. I love Cam. I think Cam's one of the best scorers on this team. I think he's one of the best finishers on this team. I think he's one of the best ball handlers on this team. Why but if the Knicks that he doesn't have a good motor and he's not showing it, if Cam's not the first fucking kid in the gym every day this offseason, the last fucking kid out, and he should be traded right now this week. I agree. I'm not mad at that. But I think he's been in the gym. I ain't going to lie. I, I hope so, though, because I love him. That's mini Paul George to me in my eyes. Yeah. 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 Like, well, I, I, I wouldn't know because I'm not in the gym. <laughs> I need I need to get in the gym myself to see if I can see if anybody's in there. 
You know, you know what I'm saying? You know, that, that drives me crazy, bro. You know, so I was I was talking about Mo early when I first met when I met him at the thing. The motherfucker looked like Paul Bunyan and shit. You know what I'm saying? So it's a big, big motherfucker <laughs> here to, talking to the delivering the, um, the hoodies or whatever. But uh, I mean, like you know, our job we're not professional athletes. You know, so our, our job, you know, we have we have work. You say you work seven days a week. I work freaking like 15, 16 hours a day like a savage. You know, state is at work right now. You know, you know what I'm saying? So and we have our own own problems. So we can't be in the gym all day. But these guys, um, their 16 hour job is to be in the gym. You know, so if these if, if the issue is if this guy is in the gym, if that guy's in the gym, you know, then 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 why are we even wasting our time talking about these motherfuckers if we gotta worry about them being in the gym? That 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 always drives me crazy every year. But real quick, you gotta talk about it only because Cam Reddish contract is due next offseason. I wanna keep Cam Reddish, by the way. He's six eight, he's taller than all of these wings on this list right here. But at the same time, you gotta think cap space, right? Now Another thing the Knicks should be thinking about is RJ Barrett's contract. You're thinking about Mitchell Robinson's contract, but RJ Barrett's contract comes into play too because I don't want to have I don't want to have RJ Barrett on this near hundred plus million dollar deal, and I'm still looking at number thirty across the screen. So, or and to remove number thirty, if you got to give up Reddish in that deal, then I understand why because of cap reasons. But at the same time, you get another guy who you don't have to pay for another three years, right? So just in case if you do want to trade some of these other young guys, it, it can happen, man. Young cores is typically made up of four guys that you put all of your resources in and your efforts in. It's, it's not really – well, your core four that you drafted, you get a couple of free agents, a couple of trades, but you usually have a core four who you draft and who you develop. And – you know, I'm not married to all of these kids like that. I'm married to RJ Barrett. I don't know the other kids though. I don't know. I've been a Nick fan for 21 years. I've never seen a young Nick average 26 and three. That's just me, my personal opinion. So, I'm not married to no man. <laughs> I just, I, you know, I, you know, every time State goes there, I say I love this guy, I love that guy. Eh, you know, I don't love no man. man. I, 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 I agree with Steve and RJ. And a lot of Knicks fans bash him. I don't think RJ's worth the max right now. If he wanted his money now, I give him the I give him four years for 120 million. I give him 30 million a year. I give him the contract basically that Julius Randle got. Um, but the thing that I like about RJ, even though I don't know if he's the number one guy, I just like the consistency in the work ethic. So you're showing me improvement year after year and the positioning that he's put in. Okay. So he's not put in a position to thrive. He's been shoved in the corner all year. He's been having to make it work by himself. He has many things he has to improve on. The kid's 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, he's getting stronger. He has to know how to work, how to make it in the paint. He has to know how to go up strong and not get blocked four times a game. Yeah. He has to know when to pull up for that mid-range 10-footer for that, for that little midi game instead of driving it to the basket where everyone knows what he's going to do. He's going to have to get better going right. Can he go right? Yes, he can, but he loves going left, and everyone's going to notice it. He's starting to get respect around the league. Other players are starting to realize who he is. So the people are going to be watching film. So I, I played high school ball. I, I was an all-state football player. I, was one, I had a full ride to college for football. And during games, uh, during workouts, we'd watch certain players and the way that they play. we watch which way they like to go more. And when the game comes, you attack them the other way. You force them a different way. And it's going to, the same thing's happening in the NBA. RJ needs to improve his free throw shooting. He has to improve, obviously, his three-point shooting. He's been getting better at it. He has to improve driving to the rim, and he has to improve his ball handling. He's—I don't think he's a great ball handler. 
People want him to be the point guard. I don't want him dribbling the ball up the court. I think he has to improve that crossover, his in-and-out crossover, his mid-range game, and that finishing at the rim so he can be a better free-throw shooter. Because he was getting to the line a lot last year. And 70% ain't going to cut it. No, I think there's a lot that he has to improve on. But to me, the consistency and the growth is what makes Knicks fans happy. That your player is growing. And he wants to be a fucking Nick. Like you can see it. He's so mature when he speaks. When he fucks up, he says, I fucked up. When something happens in the game, he admits in the post-game conference. And that's what you want in the leader. So even if he's not the number one guy, just the fact that he's working his ass off all the time, I appreciate that. And the difference to Cam, Cam is that natural bowler, man. When you're in the park and you see that one kid that just got fucking bunnies for no reason, that yeah. can throw it down on your head. That yeah, can smoking Newports. And every time out, a motherfucker smoking Newports on the side. Yeah, of shit. He's exactly, smoking Newports man. and I can't. The kid, the, the kid that's wearing a do-rag like state everywhere he goes. Yeah. That, that's, that's who Cam reminds me of. Yeah. But his work ethic and his motor has to be there. Because if he busts his ass in the gym, because RJ Barrett to me is not as talented as Cam. I think RJ just has that motor, has that work ethic, that 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 drive to want to be a better basketball player. I think that's just the way that he's always been. But if yeah. Cam had that same work ethic, well, Cam Reddish would be a scary fucking player. It's a wing dominant league. And he's a six foot eight kid with a six foot eleven wingspan. That's the exact player you want on any NBA team right now. Yeah, he makes everything look easy. Everything that he does makes it look easy, but it just it just what's ever going on in his head. You know, what, what impresses me about uh, all of our young guys is, say, say, like, R.J. Barrett, he comes from a great family. His dad, you know, his dad, he's like a carbon copy of his dad. You can see that's where he gets his traits from. Um, Obi Toppin, every time you see Obi Toppin, you see Obi Toppin Sr. right next to him, you know, and all his kids right there. You know, uh, same thing with Quentin Grimes. You see always Quentin Grimes, you always see him either by himself or with his entire family, not just by himself. He's with his whole family. You know, yeah. so I mean, th- th- these are the group of people that we, that we have. Even um, you know, th- this guy Deuce McBride, all the, all these young guys that we picked up, all, all big time character guys, all the ones that we have problems with, like say like Mitchell Robinson. You know, I, you know, I don't want to disrespect him and his family either, but um, his 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 uncle was missing for like two weeks. We thought he was dead, and then, then he pops up, you know, in, in a freaking rental with a, with a with a freaking gallon of henny and some um, you know, you know, I don't want to go crazy on, on the dude, man. But, no, but I don't you know, understand what you mean. They're all family oriented, good kids. Yeah. So we need we need to double down on that, man. We just like whatever we do, we need we really need to um to just pinpoint that type of player. And you know, like that, I think that's why everybody is in love with Jaden Ivy because Jaden Ivy is that guy. You know, he, he was he was around the, the game since he was born. His mom played in the NBA. I mean, the WNBA played in college. Is a current NBA. I'm just gonna be um, NCAA coach. You know, so uh, and he has the the pedigree from his dad also. So it's just it's just incredible, man. So. That uh, you know, I want the kid too. You know, we were talking about it earlier, man. But um, state didn't really get to, didn't really get to chime in for that, man. But you know, like how how do we get this kid, man? I think I think you know, like we we missed out on the ball, dude. We missed out on this guy. We should have tanked there. Cool. Oh, how, how do you get him, state? I want to think what you think is going to be enough, and I'll tell you what my close friend told me: the hefty package, the multiple packages that would work. I want to hear this for Ivy. See, so when I when I looked at Scotty Barnes last seat last um summer before before the Almighty Four seed, I said, nah, the Knicks gotta get Scotty Barnes. Now Scotty Barnes is the rookie of the year. So kudos. When I seen Ivy, I'm just thinking about the fit with the team, what he brings. I've never seen a Nick guard that explosive at the point guard spot like ever. In my life, then I think about what Tibbs is trying to do. Then I think about um, what RJ needs. RJ Barrett, he's not athletic, right? 
need somebody who's the opposite of him. So I need somebody who has some some skill, some pop to him. Now, what I would what I would give up for Ivy? You take anything by RJ, man. You gotta take anything. Cause I'm at the point. I'm like a '90s Nick grumpy man right now. Like I'm really grumpy with the Knicks right now. I feel like a '90s Nick fan. Um, I'm just tired. I'm tired. I think I think watching Moutier, Trey Burke, Frank Nilakina, Alfred Payton, um, Kemba Walker, Tony Douglas, uh, like it, the list goes on, man. Pablo, it's time. It's time. You got so many assets right now. You got multiple first round picks in 2023 draft. I don't really care about the 2023 draft. I know it's a high school draft, but I don't give a shit because I'm trying to win next season. So anything but RJ, I would absolutely put that deal on the table. I don't I don't see I don't see nobody out of outside of RJ where I'm like, nah, man, I can't. That's a deal breaker. For me, nah. Six four guard that is that's explosive like that. Nah. Well, you, you know, I, I put Sherman's um poster because this, this is what I've, I've been wanting to say for the long for the. I was waiting for you to get here. That I don't I don't see him as a point guard. I when I see Jaden Ivy, I kind of see like Latrell Sprewell. You know, Ooh. I see a, I see a guy that as like a scorer on the wing that's going to get out and score, be that alpha dude. You know, I, that's that's the type of guy I see without the attitude problem. You know. So, Marcus Smart, you know. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, you say you say the name Marcus Smart, but they're not the same player. They're two different kind I, of players. They both combo guards, though. Marcus Smart can play point guard and shooting guard. I yeah, but play. yeah, but but guys, you have to remember something: the, the the role play of a standard point guard is not going to be in the NBA ever again. You're not getting another Chris Paul. You're not getting. I mean, unless you're waiting for Scoot Henderson next year and you think he's going to be the next point guard, you don't know if you're going to even get him. If they're going to fuck the Knicks in, in, in draft order. Ping pong balls are bought. I don't give a shit what everyone tells me. Ivy is what the Knicks need. Okay. If you're to me, Jaden Ivy is going to be the player that comes out of college that's going to have a much better career in the NBA than in college. And my reasoning for it is because you have an open floor and you have a much faster paced game. You give a kid that's 6'5 with a 6'9 wingspan that can fucking fly down the court all this space and a fast game, he's going to be breaking down defenses. He can catch your shoot. You can make Evan Fournier look like fucking Clay Thompson, bro. By how open Evan Fournier is going to be when defenses collapse on our on uh, Jaden Ivey. You're going to have multiple opportunities for RJ Barrett to get open looks. You're going to have all multiple opportunities for whoever your four is. Obi Toppin. It could be Lob City with Obi Toppin every game. So you have an opportunity for for one player to be able to control an offense for a team and break down defenses, and that's what you need. You see, like these players that have been thriving now, player like. The top five point guards in the NBA, all of them are combo guards. You got Luka, you got Stephen Curry, you got Damian Lillard. You got all these guys are combo guards. These guys aren't traditional point guards. You got John Morant. So you give me a player like Ivy that's able to break down defenses. He's able to kick it out to the people that we need. And if you're still keeping IQ, somebody that can come off the bench and help with the six-man opportunity, you have Grimes that can still come off and score. You're having a fast team now. You're having a fast team. The center position, I didn't I didn't really care about. I watched the last four teams in the NBA play without a center. Bam out of bio, Draymond Green. Like, like there's no centers. You're playing with five guys that can spread the floor and guard multiple positions. Like, like to me, the Mitch Robinson situation, I, I I didn't care for it. I was just mad that they're allowing him to walk for free. 
Right. And that's what pissed me off. That I felt like you can do multiple things unless stuff is going behind closed doors that we don't know and they're talking about it and that Mitchell Robinson's going to end up staying in Nick. But to me, like I always saw a situation where at the trade line, you can just trade him for Miles Turner. I think something could have worked out. And people say Miles Turner can't play. Bro, Miles Turner can spread the floor. Miles Turner cooks the Knicks every time he fucking plays us because Mitchell Robinson can't go out to the three-point line and defend him. He knocks down five threes, and he looks like he's fucking Dirk Nowitzki when he's playing against us. Like These players that can spread the floor for you make it so much easier for the paint to be open. So for a player like RJ to get to the basket on a one-on-one, get the foul called. For a player like Ivy to drip it right through the paint and yam it on someone's fucking head. So that, to me, that, that you want plate pieces that all fit together. So I personally feel like a center position is the least thing of my worry. And people talk about drafting Mark Williams or Jalen Dern. Get the fuck out of here. I'm not drafting a center in the first round. That's right. never fucking happening. Especially since we had Mitchell Robinson and we fucked up with him. You're going to draft the center? That's the dumbest thing that I've heard. But like, I would I would not draft anyone at 11. If you couldn't get Ivy, then I'd move back in, in, in the draft. I try to make some trades where I can get rid of Noel, get rid of Burks, get rid of Kemba, get whatever we can, bring in a point guard. I don't think Brunson's going to be here. I think Dallas really wants him. I think he's going to offer him $30 million, give him that max that he can offer him. Uh, no state income tax in Dallas. So $30 million, If he gets $20 million in Dallas, that's the same price as getting $30 million a year in New York. So yeah. that money counts. Unless Brunson wants to be the point guard of a team, the face of a team. You know what I mean? It's a whole different story. But, but, that, but that's my way with, with the draft, bro. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I agree with a lot, a lot of your points there. But good guys, Steve. I was gonna say, um, it's two things when it comes to Jaden Ivy. I think the first thing is the center position. I think the only thing about the center position, if Mitchell Robinson does walk, I want a center who can space the floor, and shoot threes, because I want the paint to be wide open. I'm watching the playoffs; the paint was just wide open, and the Warriors' offense is just so beautiful. That even when Kevin Looney's in the game, Looney's at the top of the key screening. <laughs> They're running actual sets. So give me a center who can shoot threes like Mo Bamba or Jalen Smith, just, just anybody. And the second thing is, once again, Mo, everything you said is beautiful, right? But the 64-year-old dummy, right, might have the number 30 come back. And I'm scared that 30, we're going to be playing the same kind of basketball for from last season and 30s make Jaden Ivey a corner merchant. So that's that's the big issue because I mean like we, we already got like you, you talk about the centers like me me and State argue oh, so much man and, and also uh, Evergreen we was talking about paying Mitch Robinson everybody in on you know on the internet pay that man pay that man but yo you just said it uh uh five defenders out there that could all pass the ball shoot it and this that and the other that's what we saw in the last four playoff teams so why are we paying this guy like X amount of money? Yo, but, look, um, at, look at DeAndre, look at what's his name, De, uh, Aiden, bro, from Phoenix. The right. kid wants 35, 40 million a year. He played 16 minutes in a game seven closeout game. Right. Like, 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 he played 16 fucking minutes and he wants 35, 40 million a year. Yeah. It, these, these guys don't have don't have that pride in anymore. You know, the, the paint is not the same. Put that deal with Phoenix last year when they offered him like 150 million into the 225. The kid's an yeah. idiot. Yeah. He's not the paint is not money. the same like it used to be. You know, yeah. but you know, the, like if I if I was coaching the Knicks, just just based off of what's been happening, what works in the NBA now, we got Obi Toppin and we got Randall. We got to figure out a way to make that work together, man. You know, but but Tom Thibodeau, we're, we're stuck with him. I hate to keep going back to him because it kind of kills the conversation. But he is coaching the team, so he's gonna have Julius Randall bringing the ball up, ramming into three defenders and all this. If he does that again, like you said, corner merchant. Um, if we if we was to able to to draft, um, you know, Ivy, I'd be afraid of that. I'd be afraid of, of Ivy turning into Alec Burks and 
and sliding to the corner waiting for for uh, Julius to pass on the ball. That that's crazy. Too. I don't think it happens again, man. As much as people want to bash Tibbs, I understand, bro. He fucked up. I I'm the first person to say it. He did terrible. Um, I would rather go Johnny Bryant. Johnny Bryant's needed time by Utah, by the way. He was Quinn Snyder's guy. Uh, Donovan Mitchell loves him. The only way they're going to keep Donovan Mitchell there is by 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 bringing in uh, um, Johnny uh, Johnny Bryant. I, I thought that in the beginning of the season, I talked about it at the trade deadline. People asked me who I wanted to be coach's team. I wanted Quinn Snyder. I said if Utah fucks up at the playoffs, Quinn Snyder is going to quit, and that's exactly what he did. And I have all receipts of me talking about it at the trade deadline. I said if I can get Quinn Snyder or Will Hardy from Boston. Will Hardy is assistant coach underneath Ime Udoka, and he was a coach in San Antonio underneath Pop for a couple of years. So the young guys love him as well. I just think you need a younger guy to be in here to coach these guys. That's what I do. And I think that the problem is with Tibbs, because how much he loves Randall, he doesn't give him shit for what he does that's wrong. And instead he gives shit to all the other players. So when Randall fucks up, he just tells him to get back on, get back on D. When Obi Toppin fucks up, get the fuck out of the game. And they look at him like this grandfather type of coach instead of as a guy that they can talk to. When you have a player like Johnny Bryant, or you have a coach like all these other younger coaches that are close to these guys, I think it's a different culture on this team. You know what I mean? Yeah, when, when Jericho Simmons kind of comes out of the game, it looks like Tom Tittle got a shotgun ready to blow his brains out every time he walks past him, man. You know, you see, that, that... Jericho, Jericho Simmons improved throughout the year. The yeah. first time he played against Joel Embiid, he got absolutely fucking cooked. Yeah, the next yeah. time he played him two months later, he stood his ground. Yeah, right. He's he, he's he's improving now. Like Jericho Simmons got paid six hundred fifty five thousand dollars his first year. He's gonna be making one million dollars next year. That's 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 a play. Now Simmons is a play where what's the dude? What, what's the uh, the Spanish dude from um New Orleans? He played in the G League and Alvarado. then I, yeah, that's a Brooklyn kid. Yeah, my boy right there, I, Alvarado. Nah, man, I call him Avocado, man. That's my boy, man. He played mad defense. I, lo- I love that kid. Why, but... why you got to be called Avocado, man? You know, I'm the only Latino in the in the group, man. That kind of take offense to that shit, man. But, dude? <laughs> <laughs> I Avocado. I don't know. Nah, with, how you say his name again? Jose Alvarado. Uh, Alvarado, Jose, yeah. Jose Alvarado? Yeah. Well, I like that kid. He reminds me of um Patrick Beverly. But the point... You know, he got he got family from where I'm from. I'm from East New York, Brooklyn. He he got family over there too, man. So he's like a hometown guy. So he had so much fun being at the Garden. I was there at that game. I was there at that game, and he was uh, he had a lot of family in the crowd. Yeah, I got there early. I was standing on the court, and I saw him running up the whole family. He was so hyped that he was at the Garden. He was so hyped, and it was the first time I heard of him. It was the first time I heard about him. So he scored like 13 points on us. Like, who the fuck is this kid Alvarado? Yeah. And then he started coming out on, on, on Sports Center a couple of weeks later. Like, yeah, it's all started at the garden, man. If people want to realize where Alvarado started, it was all at the garden. He got his yeah. opportunity to play, and the kid. But yeah, could you imagine that dream, man? We that's like a dream come true for all of us. We play, we play basketball, and you know, you go through the ranks, or whatever, and then you end up in the NBA, and then you're playing in the garden. That's amazing, man. You got your family, the whole hood is there. You know, so it's that's unbelievable. But the point I was getting at is New Orleans paid him, I think, a four-year, like six million dollar deal. It, it was it was a it was a crazy offer that I thought he would never agree to, but they paid him off of that season. So I'm wondering if that's like a a plan, a plan D, plan E, plan F for the Knicks to try to like resign Sims. I like Sims though; he plays hard. Jumps high, high as hell. I ain't gonna lie, but he looks like he's a hard worker, and that's you know that's 
the most that that's what you could like about your young players. And he don't complain either. Right. And he's solid. He, he's solid around the rim. He's done more jump hooks than I've ever seen from Mitchell Robinson within the past four years, which is crazy to me. And, you know, hey, I, I would love to be shown. Anything for Tibbs not to play Taj Gibson, bro. Anything but that, bro. Because I, I can't go through that. I, I can't go through that once again. Well, you got to respect it. Working out. Taj Gibson. But you know, check out, check out what's on the screen there. You're talking about plan A, plan B, Z, D, E, B, F, G, whatever. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is in New York, and he won't stop, man. He's taking bad, bad in practice with the Mets. You know, you know what I'm saying? This is just like playing with my emotions here, man. No, he's not a Nick, bro. The Knicks don't have anything to offer that other teams can. Miami can offer them Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Max Struess, and three first-rounders. And not just that. Like Me as a Nick fan, people can call me crazy. I don't want Donovan Mitchell on this team. I don't think it's the right time to get a player like Donovan Mitchell on this team. I think this year four is very big for RJ Barrett to see what he can do and what he will be for this team. And I think that trading the farm for a player like Donovan Mitchell just puts us back two years. Yeah. I personally think that the most important thing is to get yourself a point guard that can break down defenses, that can control an offense, and that can allow your younger guys to grow. We're seeing yeah. pictures every day with, with Quentin Grimes in the gym, like with someone just put it up here, Bodega Wi-Fi, with Penny Hardaway. We've seen it. And shout out to Papa Left. He met Quentin Grimes' coach. When uh, he was away a couple of years, uh, a couple of months ago, and he said that his coach said that this kid has one of the best work ethics that he's ever seen. He's always in the gym, and that's something that you like to hear, bro. That's something yeah. that you like to hear. I think Quentin Grimes played like shit the last two weeks of the season because he was hurt. I think he just wanted to play to show that he deserved the spot on this roster. But but I'm I'm fine with Grimes, bro. I, I actually like him as a two way player. I I like the the work ethic that's there. Uh, I don't know if R.J. Barrett's been practicing yet because I heard that he was still in a boot a couple of weeks ago that he was still hurt. Yeah. So we don't know if he's, if he's playing. Thank you, Tibbs. He's relaxing because he was hurt because that play with Tibbs when, when they left him in the last minute of the game. So I don't know if he's if he's working out yet. It was it a Gucci boot though, or was it like a like a you know Durango was a Timberland boot? Gucci boot. Y'all fucking sick of Tibbs, man. I, I want to hear his voice next season. Why we can't get a new coach? Why Leon Rose is just why he just so conservative? It's I'm tired of his voice too, man. I'm sick of that motherfucker. Like, now, how'd you change your voice? I <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you prefer With this? I can talk like this to people. <laughs> uh, but, but, but seriously, man, I, I can see, I can see a situation where if it doesn't work out with Tibbs, I don't think they're going to fire him. I think they move him up to the front office. Uh, front office. Mo, That's I got a question for Mo. Yeah, because you were on um, season take season ticket holder. Um, how like is that like the culture with the Knicks when it comes to young players and and having the vets on the team? Like, what, like, what on the bench? I'm talking about specifically for the bench. Like, when you got guys like um Julius Randle, you got a guy like Alec Burks, Evan. When you was looking at the bench, like, what 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 the fuck was these vets doing besides Derrick Rose? Like Rose, I see him talking, but what? What's everybody doing during this season? Like, where has where has our leadership gone, or has it went out the window with Reggie Bullock? Like, what's you, know, Reggie- you know who talks to to, to the, the rest of the players a lot? Taj Gibson. Taj is up in every timeout. Taj talks to these guys, and, and like people, I don't know if people realize it, but but I I look at it, I look at it carefully during the timeouts. I watch what they who's focusing, who's not, who's talking to others. Taj talks to these guys a lot. And listen, bro, you can't blame Tosh for getting playing time. Like, obviously, we don't want to fucking see him on the court shooting threes. No one wants to fucking see that. 
But if you put himself in his shoes, guy still wants to play. He still wants to make money. You know, he still feels young. He wants he's to still getting better to too, man. Isn't it weird? Somebody like that is on the end of his career. He's still developing his his. He plays, he plays his role, yeah. I agree. Yeah. He plays his role, but he shows some leadership on the bench. He talks to these younger guys, but I don't know, bro. To, to me personally, the more I think about it, the more I think about how fans think that you're giving up too much to get Jaden Ivey in these trade talks. You you saved all of these assets and you saved all of these picks for this specific reason. Okay, this is the time. It's been 20 fucking years since you've had a point guard. Don't tell me Tony Douglas, Raymond Felton, Jeremy Lin, Nate Robinson are fucking point guards, okay? Don't tell me, uh, what's his name, Ron Baker is a fucking point guard. These are the point guards that we've had since Charlie fucking Ward and Stephon Marbury. Like, we, we haven't had a point guard in 20 years. What about what about Ray Felton? Yeah, Ray, Raymond Felton was in the NBA with the Knicks for five years, and he never got his fat ass into shape. <laughs> look, every time he ran three times up and down the court, look, he was about to have a fucking heart attack, bro. Yeah, he was he was super old school, man. He he didn't get into shape until he walked into the training camp. That, that's he, he came Two in there. That I've watched my whole life never get into shape was Raymond Felton and Paul fucking Pierce. Okay? Yeah. Two guys that always fat, but Paul Pierce took advantage because he wasn't the fastest guy, but that motherfucker can score the basketball. Yeah. Back to the next, bro. You need Jaden Ivey. And from what from me as a fan, and people might think I'm crazy. I would trade if, if the Knicks can't move Julius Randle and opposing teams don't want him. I would trade because then the, Obi Toppin's not getting any playing time. If Randle's on this team, he's playing 35 minutes a game. I'm right. not sitting here watching Toppin play 13 minutes a game again and wasting him yeah. on this bench. Okay? I'm, not, I'm not. So I would trade Obi Toppin. I would trade that 11th pick. I'll trade next year's Dallas pick because Dallas is going to be a playoff team. They just made it to the conference finals. Be like a 20, 20th pick in the draft. I'll trade that pick. And I'll give them a 2025 or a 2026 first. I'm not giving them our first rounder for next year because we're going to be asked this year. And next year has eight guards in the top 15 that are really good guards. It's going to be the best guard draft that we've seen in the past six years. So I would not give them our personal 2023 pick. If but, Sacramento accepts a deal like that, I'm going to build Leon Rose's statue. But I don't if, think they will. I think they're gonna ask that's, that's the thing. That's the thing. It, like the, the the um the chances of that deal happening is not really high. Yeah, it, it, I can see it happening. That, that works if you add Cam Reddish to Ob Toppin, and you give them the eleventh pick, and they can still draft whoever they want at eleven, and then they have next year's Dallas and a future pick also. I think it works. Do right. Leon go crazy? But you mm-hmm. make that choice if you're gonna ride with Cam or you're gonna ride with Quentin Rhymes. Yeah. Sacramento still got to say yes, though. So if, they, if Sacramento doesn't say yes, They're then you know no what happens to the statue? They're not saying no to that. Sacramento oh. wants to win now. They can't pick a pair. I don't think that they pick Ivy. Even if they don't trade the pick, I think they pick Keegan Murray. Everyone might call me crazy. I don't think they pick Ivy. You don't need Ivy with Fox and, and, and uh, Davion Mitchell because then you're just stunting Mitchell's growth. And they want to win now. So if you give them a player like Murray that can play the four for them right next to Sabonis and have Harrison Barnes play the three or come off the bench, I think it fits their situation much better if you think about their team realistically. 2010 and five, man. They should want like Sacramento if you're watching. We got 2010 and five for you, man. <laughs> Me and State argue about that too, because he'll he'll say, no, nah, 2010 and five ain't shit. But then they say, hey, 2010 and five is good. You know, like it, it's like the two sides of the other thing there. But you know, don't I don't worry. Know, you know, with, with, I agree with you with Sacramento. I was, if I'm Sacramento, I'm looking to get a big man. You know, if uh, why would I trade for Julius Randle when I could easily just get Keegan Murray? And I think Keegan Murray um, is, is somebody that nobody's really talking about, but I think he, I think he might actually be a decent player. 
26, 9, you know, whatever he did in, in college, that's decent, man. Six foot eight, that's intriguing. You know, that's, that's talent there. You know? now, my, my worry is not the Knicks package, to be honest. My worry is that Detroit wants Ivy, too, and people aren't talking about it. Right. And in Detroit, like, they could tell Sacramento, do you want Ivy? Sacramento can be like, yeah, maybe we do. Why? What do you want? They can offer to trade the fifth pick and give them something else from their roster. That's fucking much better than what the Knicks are going to give them. Right. So that's that French kid. Yeah, that, exactly. Killian Hayes. That's right. what you're talking about where the person I spoke to told me that it would be a hefty package to get someone like that. Because if you give them Cam and Obi, they have their starting three and four. They have Harrison Barnes still there. They have three picks now. They can pick at 11. They can pick at 11 whoever they want. They can get themselves another wing. They can get themselves a big man. They can get whatever they need at 11. What, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do my homework for the next, like, two, three days, and I'm going to find out what connections Leon Rose got in Sacramento. Because, remember, Cleveland was supposed to pick Obi Toppin, and Obi Toppin fell straight to the Knicks, and Leon Rose was going to trade up for Obi Toppin. Well, so, what was the guy that, that, that we had picked up before Leon Rose? What's his name? The one that everybody wants to kill from Sacramento? What, Perry? Yeah. Scott Perry, yeah, and does Scott Perry have connections with Sacramento? So, you know, I'm hoping. Well, I'll that tell you one thing: if you want to know about that, if you mm -hmm. paid attention to the Jaden Ivey workout in the combine, mm -hmm. the Knicks front office was sitting right next to Sacramento's front office, and they were mm -hmm. talking the whole time. <laughs> well, look at the videos of Ivey working out. I think it was with AJ Griffin. I, I if I believe, I'm, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. I don't remember who he was working out with, but Knicks front office was sitting side by side. With Sacramento's front office. I what are they doing TikToks? Were they talking basketball or were they doing TikToks? No, they're just talking with each other as <laughs> I was working out. Because yeah. I, I like I literally paused the videos and I'm looking at them, and you can see both those front office that were sitting right down with each other. Yeah. And I spoke with Sacramento's top reporter and their 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 um news channel reporter that, that does all their, their games that said Listen, the Knicks want to win. If they want to give us Randall, I think it would be an intriguing package. But I think they would have to add a lot more on. And then from my guy that I spoke to, that I met at the Garden, going for, for the past eight years, he told me if the, if the Knicks will try to move Randall there, but not with multiple picks, with probably two picks. If it doesn't move and Harrison Barnes at the four, they're not going to throw the bag at Randall. They'd rather keep Randall here and move out Obi and try to move to another young asset. That will be... And that, that's, see, shit like that is when I'm, like, 40 years old, like, 42 years old, and I'm be saying to myself, why the fuck the Knicks traded Obi Toppin, man? It's moves like that. It's moves like that. I got a 90s Knicks fan who work in the OALs. He work in the OALs with me. Once every two weeks, he brings up the fact that the Knicks traded both Mark Jackson and Rod Strickland. So, so, so I, I need a point guard, bro. I'm tired, bro. I don't want. We, I mean, listen, bro. You have positivity, bro. Ivy was working out in the CAA Pro Day workout. It wasn't a regular combine workout. Yeah. He's working out for these CAA guys, bro. Okay. You see the positivity there. I don't they, see Emmanuel quickly going there because they have Fox. They have Davion Mitchell. I don't think they're going to take much use of Emmanuel quickly. I don't think we're looking for a bench player. They want to win now, or McNair and Wilcox are going to be fired. I'm telling you this right now. Yeah. And they think they can get a player like Paul George or Bradley Beal. That's not fucking happening. They don't have money to send out. Were they going to send out five first-rounders for Paul George? It's not going to happen. Right. <laughs>
We just smoked this fire, man. So I mean, you know, getting getting you know Jaden Ivy, regardless of the fact, you know, because I like like I said, no matter what you guys say, I don't see him as a point guard. I see him as Donovan Mitchell. You know, I think that he's gonna I see be him like as that jaw, bro. Huh? I see him as Jaw. I don't see I don't, him as he, he wasn't as successful in high in college, but to me, you give him an open floor, you give him players that can knock down the three ball. You so, see him that, that open space but, and run the floor. I, I can see him as a John Moran. No, obviously, the improvement, but that's that's my my role of play for him around the league. Who he reminds me of? Well, in, in my in my opinion, I want the ball coming to him. I don't want him. I don't want him having the ball and giving it up. I want the ball coming to him. You know, to be like that that the option. Like when we're talking about championship first, first seed, second seed, whatever. Um, Ivy to to me has the potential to be that number one guy. That that you know that that. You know, because I mean, going even we just said it like the, the shooting guard. There's no shooting guards in the NBA right now. You know that everybody's getting old and whatever. So I mean, the next generation of players are coming in. So I think Ivy is going to lead that pack for the next group for the next ten years, man. So I'm I'm, I'm excited about him, man. You know, we, like, that's what I'm saying. Regardless of whatever role you think he's going to be in, I think he, we we all agree that he's going to be that guy for like the next couple of years. You know who Jaws? You know who who um who Jaden Ivy's coach was when he was younger? John Moran's mother. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, respect to Ivy's mom too. Ivy's mom was was also involved in that. Also, but I'm saying similar type of play, similar type of body. I mean, Ivy's a little more broad, a little bigger boy. So my official comp for Jaden Ivy when I first watched him is Baron Davis. I just couldn't stop thinking about. I don't see Baron Davis. Baron Davis is too much of a good shooter, bro. Too much of a better ball handler, bro. Baron Davis is a way different. (laughs) We know Diddy was crazy, man, but that's who he reminded me. I I guess that game, that one game I watched, Ivy was dominating so much that it was because nobody could stay in front of him, and he don't got a. When people say he don't got like elite handle, I can understand what they mean. For example, Russell Westbrook. Don't have elite handle, but but he has great dribble and he has great speed. He he's a north south type of guy. Jaden yeah. Ivey's like a north south type of guy as well. So I, mean, <laughs> I I don't see him as a shooter. Like I like I like the point you said. You want the ball coming to him. For right. me personally, I want him passing the ball to. Like I, I want him to, to who pass. though? That's 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 the thing. To who? Who we have? I want him, I want him. Taking the ball up the court, using his speed to break down defenses, allow the defenses to attack him and get any bro. Evan Fournier will drop four hundred fucking three pointers next year if Jaden Ivey's his starting point guard. Okay. Anyone that's on the court with him will have open shots because he will attract defenses by bringing the ball up the court and using his speed. He's not fucking Alec Burks. <laughs> He's going to have defenses respect him because of his speed and because of his strength. I mean, Ivy, he has a lot to improve on. But to me, the explosiveness and the speed is something that can benefit so much, so much. I mean, and to me, another thing is you have to look at two ways from a trade, right? If you're trading Obi Toppin, the same way we can see Ivy Obi, I was telling State earlier, imagine De'Aaron Fox flying down the court throwing lobs to Obi Toppin, bro. Sacramento Uh, could be intrigued by it. Yeah, but, damn, it doesn't make me happy. It doesn't, State, but is it going to make you happy with Obi staying here, playing 12 minutes a game behind Julius Randle, and then going into contract year and not going to get fucking paid by the Knicks? Then that's, that's why. They're going to hire me to be the coach. That's why. Shit, one of those two motherfuckers need to leave, man. We need <laughs> somebody got to go. If they put me on a coaching staff, you know, you know, Obi Top is not getting 12 minutes a game. 
you know, we're gonna run, we're gonna run a pick and roll for him. That's number one. You know, how many, you know, a guy lob threats like that, even Mitchell Robinson, he's a lob threat as well. How many pick and rolls did he see? You know, he's just standing there, you know, waiting to get get the rebound to go back up. You and know, like he doesn't take advantage of any picks. things that we do well. And the Knicks players are the worst pick setters in the whole fucking league. That's a yeah. fact. Mitchell Robinson is one of them. Taj. Julius Randle is one of them. Yeah. Julius Randle sets the most half-assed pick and then sticks his left arm out for the fucking ball every yeah. single time, bro. You know, the loose ball. He, he doesn't. He doesn't provide space too. Like he, he'll set the pick and then he'll be standing right there, two two feet away from you to get the ball right back. You know. So you know, it's, you it's know, a mentality. Um, Emmanuel quickly. Quickly, he's a good screen setter. If y'all, if y'all ever watch him, like mostly quickly is our best screen setter. God, damn. like not because he he connects with the body. You get what I'm saying? Like Taj, Quentin Grimes is our best quick pick setter, bro. Yeah, he's I'm good. Too. Solid picks. He's been a couple offensive fouls from his picks, bro. Grimes is a little he's a little hustle gym rat, bro. That's the way yeah. he is. It's yeah. the basketball IQ, man. As as a guard, when you set in a pick and you're going around to get the jump shot, you have to basically lick the back of the guy's neck when you're coming around so you can receive the ball. So Quentin Grimes is the, is the master at that. You give him a pick, or if, or if he's setting the pick for you, he's like like dragging himself around that body to get that ball to get the space, you know, to to get that jump shot off or to pass the ball. Just a great basketball play, man. You know, just very smart, man. I, you know, that, that's the one thing. Like, I, I think we all can agree to, no matter which decisions we decide to make or whatever, the Knicks are literally right there, man. You know, we are right there from, from being in the in the shit, you know, to, to being where we need to be, to be, like, elite in this in this next I wouldn't say phase of the NBA. I wouldn't say elite. I feel like the Knicks getting Ivy would be a, the right step in the right direction that we're going to, that we're choosing the direction by getting a point guard to lead this team in alongside R.J. Barrett. I think it would allow us – because um, people start to forget at the end of this season what's up, at the end of this season the a lot of cap is going to open up for the Knicks okay? Evan Fournier is going to be on a team option and you're going to have to decide what you want to do with RJ but you're going to need bird rights for your team then there's going to be a new TV deal next year which is going to bring in a lot of money so the cap's going to go up to around like $75 million for the Knicks That's in, that only includes if you're moving away from your vets such as Alec Burks Nerlens Noel and Kemba Walker. If you do so, and you have this money, and you're and you have Jaden Ivey, who's going to be underneath that rookie deal, then you're setting yourself up for a situation where players can see that you have your point guard and Ivey, you have R.J. Barrett, and you can bring in one superstar to play alongside these guys because the foundation is already set and you're headed towards the right direction. Then you can worry about your role players after you get these stars to play with these guys. Because to me, drafting a player at 11 is just adding another role player, not knowing what direction you're going to, and not having a point guard that can lead this offense. You understand what I mean? Yeah, Scary. absolutely. You know, th this guy, Quentin, um, not Quentin Grimes, uh, quickly, he's like freaking Drake. He's like the Drake of the NBA. Every time you look around, he's at, you know, uh, Jay-Z's, um, you know, you know, get together. He's sitting in the background of another picture. It's like, he's, he's 22 years old. He's enjoying life, bro. It's yeah, man. So, I mean, the, the, the point I'm trying to say is that, like, people love RJ. You know, you, you saw, uh, you know, Jimmy Butler, you know, always pulling him to the side in the game, in the middle of a game. You know, he's, he's giving him, like, tips and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it's just the respect around the league. Everyone loves our players. You know, so that, that that's, that's all in the right the, right in the right path. It's building, um, you know, powerful juju. Like, um, when, when me and um, State first started really doing podcasts and stuff, we used to always talk about energy and, and stuff. You know, shout out to... Aiden Donahue from um, uh, Nick's community and, and different guys like that. We was always talking about bringing positivity. This is our job as podcasters because, you know, the outside media, the ESPNs and all that, they always bring in negative. So 
uh, if we're going to be doing uh, this Nick content that we need to like bring the community, bring the family back. And, um, you know, uh, we're doing that on our part, you know, but the, the, the players themselves, you know, in the league, the respect around the league and things of that nature, man, it's all becoming like a big, you know, a, a storm, like a, like a melting pot in the, in the positive direction, you know? So, you know, that, that's something to be very excited about with everything that's happening right now. I have some good news for us guys. So Sunday, I know it's father's day, but Sunday right. evening, uh, Hopefully at 9 p.m. I'll come back with the time. Whoever's listening, I'm going to be doing a spaces again with uh, the NBA's top draft scout, Raphael Barlow. Okay. So he's going to be back on. We spoke with him a month ago, and now we're a couple of days before the draft. And who knows more about what's going on in the draft than Raphael Barlow? That's so awesome. it'll be great. It'll be great to talk about it and see what he sees is going on behind closed doors, what he thinks the Knicks are going to do, and who he thinks is going to be traded and not. I mean, that, that should help us a lot. Right, no doubt. Well, you know, stay just part that. He'll be back in a second. But, you know, since, since you're here and you mentioned that, um, talk about, um, you know, the stuff that you're doing on Twitter. Because we were talking offline, and we talked before. You said, I'm not a podcaster, this and the other. But then you just said you got to do a podcast with, with this dude. You know, Places, so, you know, yeah. Yeah, so explain, explain. I, I tried. So the past six, seven months, I've been reaching out to different reporters, analysts, um, top beat writers for certain teams in the draft. Because me, not only as a Knicks fan, but as an NBA fan, I want to see what's going on around the league and what other teams are thinking about and what they expect from the Knicks and what they see in the Knicks besides from a Knicks stand, like a standpoint. You know what I mean? So I've interviewed uh, Ryan Lyles, uh, Styles from um, Oklahoma City Thunder. He gave us a lot of great intel. A lot. He basically told us that SGA don't even think about it as Nick fans that Sam Presti's not moving him this year. They're focused the rebuilding around him, and they're going to do whatever they can in this draft. They might make a trade with their 12th pick in this draft to get down again in the top 10, so they can have number two and like number seven or number eight. So expect that. Then uh, I spoke with Sacramento Kings B writer Sean Cunningham, who's on their radio. He's been with them for 16 years. He's been to five NBA Finals. Very well respected around the league. And he told us what the Sacramento Kings were looking at. I spoke with Raphael Barlow. He's the biggest NBA scout the whole country. He scouts all prospects coming out of high school, coming out of Canada, coming out of Europe. He flies to Europe. If you guys watch that movie Hustle, Adam Sandler, and how there's a scout that travels all over, this is Barlow. He goes all over before the whole NBA instead of just for one specific team. So he has great intake, gives us a lot of news. So it's nice talking to these guys and figuring out their perspectives and what they see on the Knicks and what they see is going on in the top 10 in the draft. Well, you know, you know, I, I like, I like to curse on this thing. I always kind of go over the board, but you know, like what I would like to say about all the names you mentioned, fuck those guys. You know what I'm saying? Because the, the, the star of the show is you, you know, uh, Mo, Mo Knicks takes, uh, they, they wouldn't come onto your show if you weren't the star. You know what I'm oh, saying? So you know, they, they feel that they can push themselves up. You know, that's why they're on your show. And that's why my man called back to come back on your show because the last one was so successful. I keep going to to him. I didn't watch. I didn't listen to it when it happened. I watched. I listened to the replay of it. It, it, it was a uh, um, good listen, man. So, you know, you're, you're a big part of, of, of what's happening out there in the Knicks space. You know, Thank so, you know, hats you off to you too, man. And plus, you, you're, you're you're an absolute good dude. And I can't wait to go back to Brooklyn to get to get the uh, my next. Uh, I you know, love you tell me, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, so, man. I mean, that, that's very important. I always try to try to um, to bring that point out to. to um, no, thank people. you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. So, I mean, you know, everybody's here for you, man. 
definitely. You know, a lot of people came in, you know, the shout out to here just just to, to watch you. They didn't, they didn't um, come in to see State. They didn't come to see me. They came to see you too. Of course today. they did, man. I came here to talk to you guys and listen to you guys. <laughs> I always listen to you guys' podcast, man. Yeah, yeah, no, but, just you know. Nice to see what's going on, man. No one else is going to happen. Every Knicks fan has their theory. We can all be thinking about these trades for Ivy, and then a week from now, the, tra- the, the draft comes on. We do absolutely shit and draft Ty Ty Washington, and then every can go fucking crazy. <laughs> you never know what happens, man. Like you pray for the best, but you expect the worst as a Knicks fan. I mean, I've been right. a Knicks season ticket for a couple of years now. I go to these games; a lot of them are losing games. I leave the the stadium cursing my my life out, screaming at Julius Randle, screaming at Tom Thibodeau. But it is what it is as a Knicks fan, man. You know. You win some, you lose some, but we all want the same thing. We want to do whatever is going to help our team get one closer to winning an NBA Finals, man. Yeah, no and I feel like this is the right thing to do to go after Jaden Ivey and get your point guard of the future. Like, I think this is the exact moment that you've been planning for for the past 10 years by finally having all of your picks and multiple picks for the next couple of years, having your young assets, and you're put in a position to thrive. You're put in a position to win. I feel like this is the season now. That's what's up. So, you know, draft is Thursday. So where would you be at when, um, when the draft is, is going on? Where would you be at? Uh, I might go to the draft. It's going to be okay. here in Brooklyn. So I might go. I'm going to see how it's going to be with work. If I'm not there, then I'm going to be home. I don't go out to, to the bars. I'm, I want to be focused knowing what's happening. Because if I'm out somewhere and something pisses me off, I might break something. So I'd rather I'd rather be home listen, or at the draft. I gotta let everybody know too. I said it like three times well this motherfucker is huge, man. He's like he's like a freaking lumberjack. So you know watch watch it watch your tone, okay? Watch it watch your tone when you talk to this guy, you know? So so anyway, you know uh first, uh well for, for me uh for on, on Thursday I'll be in, in Atlantic City with um nothing but Nick's hanging out with those guys. He has a two day event there so you know that I, I anticipate that being like off the hook, man. But um, wh- what is your 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 best and worst case scenario uh, for the draft? I guess we can end it with that. My best is the Knicks find a way. Leon Rose finds a way to make a trade to get Jay Ivey. I mean, if it's going to be three first round picks and two players, it might be a lot to Knicks fans, but it isn't to me because I still think that you're in the right direction where you don't have to chase a player that you need in the draft for the next two years, and you get your player that you need now to be alongside R.J. Barrett. My worst situation is that the Knicks draft Mark Williams at 11 and get a center. (laughs) That that would really, really piss me off. If if we draft Mark Williams, I think I will just pass out. Mark fucking Williams? Oh, my God. (laughs) He asked me what I think is the best situation that happens at the draft night and the worst situation. I said the best situation is that we move up and get Ivy. The Uh worst situation is that if we draft a center like Mark Williams. Oh, can I give you an even worse situation? Nah, it's nothing worse than drafting Mark. I think Mark <laughs> Williams is good, though. He's good, bro, but just does a Nick fan to draft the center at 11 that but you've that, been waiting all year for? You draft the center? Yeah, there, there's centers that are going to go undrafted that, that's worth it, you know, than, than Mark Williams at number 11, man. I'd rather wait till the second round and get Christian Coloco, bro, to be honest. Like, Christian yeah. Coloco? <laughs> <laughs> oh freaking what's the dude um soto that soto guy from um from um you know what's what he called thailand whatever the hell yeah, he's yeah. from get from overseas yeah i oh. just don't think that you do that the only team that i see that drafts a big man in the first round maybe san antonio two decades straight of having big men they, they rely on the big man they have their point guard of the future they could go for jalen Duran. i can see it happening if portland keeps their pick i think they go with benny with matherin um, AJ Griffin, I'm not big on. 
AJ, to me, when you have leg problems and knee problems since junior high school, going into high school, going into college, and you're still growing and you have knee problems, I've watched it happen with a couple oh, of athletes. Oh, scenario for you that you would you would uh, definitely accept on um, Jalen Duran as a pick. Um, uh, did you show Mo the trade that you showed me that you thought he was going to go at it for? And I looked at you. I said, wait, hold on. I might do that. That Gordon Hayward trade? Oh, shit. All right, so <laughs> the, the trade was basically surrounding um, Gordon Hayward. I forgot the specifics, but it wasn't that bad. You know, the the the, the output that we got, because I think we ended up getting um, two draft picks still in that in that I deal. got the 13th pick. In the, it's basically Gordon Hayward, the 13th pick, and the 15th pick. And we give them, I think it was Evan Fournier, Kimball Walker, and Mitch Robinson. And then with the, one of those picks, you just pick Jalen Durant. I think that's in, in that scenario. Wait, I think, can you repeat it, please? Huh? Oh, all right. So Gordon Hayward, right? And the 13th and the 15th pick for Evan Fournier, um, Kimball Walker, and Mitchell Robinson. No, yeah, it's, it's a win-win, but I, I'd rather trade for Ivy, bro. Like, no, 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 no. It helps, though. That helps because now you got the 13th pick and the 15th pick. See, you got to do a move for a move. I'm, I'm expecting the Knicks to do two minimum two trades. This roster needs at least two to three trades to consolidate. You want to see? What, you want to know what I want the Knicks to do? Go ahead. I'd rather them keep Obi. I'd rather them trade Julius Randle to number seven to Portland and get oh. something back from Portland. And then I would try to make a deal that focuses around whatever two young players you were willing to move to the Kings to get yourself Ivy. And then you get that seventh pick also. I'm with that. You know, I'm excited, man. I'm, I'm excited with that. Those extra two picks, it still keeps us on a timeline. On a decent time because you know RJ and those guys they're young but they're kind of like you know leaving that baby stage they're going into in, into um you know regular regular school now they're not in preschool no more they're gonna be you know elevated to the next next level so I, I like that man we, we, we gotta we gotta keep the waves going and a, a, as we do that you know bring little stuff like that and then you know little veterans and then we'll still we'll we'll be able to get to where we need to go we just had we gotta clean it up consolidation you know is a key word too man you know we, we just have so much um salary tied up. That if we can if we can package some of those guys in there to get like you know just that one vet you know to to, to hold us over you know whatever just to clean up the roster that that would be great too if we could do that. Last thing, I haven't heard y'all mention this all night, so I just want to bring this to the table. Um, Derrick Rose, he doesn't need to be a Nick anymore. Like no disrespect to Derrick Rose, but you know listening to Mo, we, we identified quickly as the backup point guard, right? He's the sixth man. I'm not interested in seeing Derrick Rose and quickly backcourt anymore. Uh, I'm just being honest with y'all. But then the, the flip side to it is you got the 64-year-old dummy who just loves Derrick Rose. And I don't know I, I, I don't know what to do about that. Imagine if we get Ivy. Of course Derrick Rose is a great mentor for Ivy, but at the same time, Grimes needs to play and Reddish needs to play. So are you going to now? That's a log jam. So something got to. What? How do y'all feel about Derrick Rose? Like, what? What's the what? What? What's the mission with him? Because he can't start, right? He makes and, 14, 14 million dollars, man. You can't really hide that. Got a lot of money. But that's the problem, really. 
I mean, I, 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 mean I, I thought about every possible outcome for the Knicks. So a certain situation that we haven't spoken about is that if the Knicks don't cash out, yeah, if the Knicks don't cash out on Jaden Ivey and they don't get um, Jalen Brunson, I can see a situation where the Knicks end up with Malcolm Brogdon. Okay, and I will explain the situation. So the Knicks want to be the Pacers so bad. <laughs> the New York would be so bad though, because you're talking about consolidation. So if if we just package a few of these vets or whatever mixed in there to get Brogdon, you know, it kind of takes the edge off a little bit. It still leaves minutes available for some of these young guys. So the the, the, the trade. The, so what I wrote down was the Knicks will end up getting Brogdon. All right. I don't. You can figure out what the trade's going to be, but I see a situation where the Knicks. I know that Brogdon's not healthy, and, and I'm not. I'm not talking about what I would want personally. What I put down was that the reporters that I've spoken to, two of them have told me that it's news around the league that if the Knicks don't get what they want, Brogdon's 100% going to be a Nick. Like it's literally, it's been it's been put out there, and a situation where people are like he's not healthy, is not that? I agree 100%. He's still making $20 million over the next two years. And where I put it at is that if you don't cash out on any other point guard and you have him come, that means that Emmanuel quickly is still going to be here, right? A player like Bogdan, who won a rookie of the year, who could play defense as a point guard, be alongside Emmanuel quickly, it might be a situation that allows Emmanuel quickly to grow in. allows Emmanuel to warn two sides of the ball because Emmanuel quickly has become a better defender this year. And again, for everyone, this is not a situation that I want, but I'm talking about realistic things that could happen for the next okay. You have to talk about these things. So if a situation like that comes and he's a floor general, and if he can stay healthy, then like I, I, I understand it. I think it's a lot of money. Uh, I don't think it's, it's the best thing for the next to do. I'd rather start Emmanuel quickly. But again, like I want to know what you guys think about that because I can see that situation happening. Yeah, we, we've talked about it, man. Brogdon's contract is pretty long, if I'm not mistaken, man. That, that guy's making that money all, all up until he's like 30-something, am I correct? If not, not correct. So he signed an extension until, I think, 2024. Oh, my God. So the only way... Two more years at $21 million. So, so I, I got something for you, Mo. I'll take Malcolm Brogdon, but the only way I'll take Malcolm Brogdon is if they swap picks with us. They got... I want the sixth pick, then. You want... you. You want to give us Brogdon and all that? You give us your pick. We could swap picks. You could take 11. I take on injured-ass Malcolm Brogdon. So that's where I thought about the situation. If they gave us Brogdon in six, what were we giving them? Just 11? That's not going to happen. Cap has to fit. You, think they're, take, you think they're going to take Julius Randle yeah. of Sabonis? No. That's not going to happen. No. no. So now you have to be in a situation. Who the hell are you giving up as Knicks? You're giving up a young, a young player to take on Brogdon and six. Uh, I might. <laughs> if you want me to be honest with you, I you need know? something done, Mo. I'm the not. Situation, I'm not situation where it works. There's one. There's one way where it works. Uh-huh. The Knicks can wait and see if Shady drops. Shady and Sharp is available at six, and the Knicks want to make that move. Mo. And they take on Brogdon and they take on Shady and Sharp. Everybody on this panel right now has been a Nick fan for 20-plus years. Enough waiting. I'm, I'm, I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait. I'm, I'm, I don't want to wait. <laughs> the Knicks got to do something. Like, ASAP. Just please. The Knicks, the Knicks have no choice. Something, something's got to give. We, we, we just have a roster that's just um, – we, we, 
Like right right now, if we if we stood pat, that would be a, a, a utter catastrophe. You know, but there's so much moving parts that need to be dealt with, you know, that something has to happen, you know, almost, you know. I don't think the Knicks hate Pat. Leon Rose has has should like as much as Nick fans hate the front office, look as it's been happening in the draft in the past two years. He has been all over the place. Every Nick fan praised Leon Rose in the draft when they got Quentin Grimes and Deuce and they drove they went back five picks. Everyone was surprised as hell. So I don't care what every Nick fan tells me. Yes, I'd be pissed at them as well because the situation didn't happen with Mitchell Robinson at the trade deadline. That's what bothered me most. Yeah. Um, they didn't trade Alec Burks at the trade deadline when a lot of teams wanted him. And I think that's because of Tom Thibodeau. I think Tibbs wanted to keep Burks to try to make the plan. That's what I'm telling you. I think that's that sit, sit down happened between Rose, between Tibbs, and between Dolan. And that next year, they basically told Tibbs, you don't have a fucking choice. Either you play the young guys or we're moving you out from the coaching staff. Is Ted C now? So he thought Alec Burks was going to help him get in the fucking play? He needs to be fired, man. What this pisses me off the most is that in the at the end of the season, when they came out and spoke and they said, well, we didn't know these young guys can do this much because you guys didn't fucking play them, man. Like, what do you mean you didn't know? And, and then he told us, time. he told us that we need to watch games four or five times in a row in order for us to understand what's happening. You I don't know, think any fans the end of the, the whole year. country watches watches film more than Nick. Yeah, there's not one. There's no other team's fans in the whole country that watches ball more than Knicks fans. Yeah, Tibbs, Tibbs could shove it. He can't tell me shit. I'm up four in the morning in my crib watching Nick, watching Nick prospects and, and old Nick games. He could go fuck himself. I know what I seen last season. Last season, it's on him. It, a lot of it is on him. All you had to do is make the right substitutions, bro. That's all you had to do. Yeah, what that February do? killed us, man. If if we would have showed up that February, at least was like mediocre, we would have made the playoffs. Five or five. Five, five and six. So all you had to do, you go one and ten, bro. What the yeah. fuck? Yeah, I put this on the screen because you know I think the problem with Tom Thibodeau is that um, it's too much pressure on his neck. He needs to loosen up a button or something. Even with the <laughs> zip up hoodie, or the zip up hoodie thing is all the way up to the top of his neck. Like, what the hell's wrong with this 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 guy? I saw in the comments about the Knicks picks. We have a, a first rounder this year and a second rounder. Next year we have two first rounders and we have four second rounders. Twenty twenty three we have a first rounder. And four uh, four first rounders again, uh, four second rounders again. Twenty twenty four, one first rounder with four second rounders. Twenty twenty five, one first rounder with two second rounders. So we have multiple second rounders, and we have all of our first picks for the next four years. It's crazy. So expect a lot of pick swaps for certain situations happening when trying to move vets. Yeah, no doubt. I've been wanting to shout out on Paris Duggar. Paris Duggar throws two dollars at me every day, like like I'm like a, you know, you know I don't want to say, it, but he, he always throwing throwing change at me, like like I'm, you know, <laughs> some like hood hood strip strip show. But I appreciate you, Paris man, for supporting oh, us always. Man. Yeah, man. So anyway, you know, anyway th- th- this is the problem with having podcasts with Nick fans, man, because the podcasts never end. You know what I'm saying? Because it, it only takes one little thing, and the next thing you know, we got two more hours in, into the into the show talking about that next the next little little thing, man. Yo, so, Mo, um, Mo, last pod, I swear to God, I I, I, I hopped on with Iru. Well, actually, Iru was recorded, and I just hopped on the pod. We were supposed to record for only like a half an hour. We recorded for three hours, bro. <laughs> 
So yeah, that's what this this do. guy popped on talking about oh my allergies, my allergies. So I said, man, fuck you. You know what I'm saying? And he went on, and then we went on again for like another couple of hours and shit too. So you know, it, it is what it is. I'm glad I'm glad that I was on, man. I feel like we spoke about a lot, which is good. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So let, let's um, let's wrap it up before State come back in here because we're gonna add another hour to this thing, man. So yeah, yeah man. Um, Mo takes thing. Th- thanks for um, for popping in, man. Let's continue to do what you do because you, you um, you're very important to what we do here. You know, I mean, I mentioned what I what I was saying about the other. You know, re- respect to to the, the to the to the reporters and stuff. I, you know, I'm always joking around and stuff, but uh, also much respect to someone like you, like I said, because you, you you're um you're providing us all this information. Not not just the information, just the conversation, and and then just just giving us um, a leader. You're you're a leader of um of us. You know, you're a leader of the, of the Knicks fans, man. So you know, appreciate that, bro. I mean. I just see myself as another fan that's trying to get information out to all the fans, man. But I appreciate you guys having me on. I hope uh, I'm able to get a lot of information for people. I feel like these reporters give us a lot of information that we need to know. So I'm just happy and I'm glad, man, that you feel that way. I really, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. And you know, they need us too because they need us to steer them in the right w- direction. Because without us, you know, having these conversations, they keep feeding us this bullshit. So somebody like you comes to them and asks them the right questions. They're like, okay. So now, now they intra- they they attracted you because they, they you help them do their job much better. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, I mean, if anyone wants to follow, follow me on Twitter. I, I host all these spaces at least once a week with different reporters. Get a lot of news on the Knicks. My Twitter handle's right there, Mo Knicks Takes. But I appreciate you for having me, man. I mean, I admire your work and how much you put into this. So I respect you for it a lot, and I'm glad that and I appreciate that you had me on today, man. Thank you. Yeah, no doubt. Anyway, so thank, thanks for coming on. We're gonna we're gonna pop up before state get back in here, you know. <laughs> so shout out to state too, state state of New York Knicks podcast. Always Me and him always, are you know, always collaborating. State, man. Yeah. So I mean, you know, as the season comes on, you know, I'm looking forward to opening night too. So we, we hopefully hopefully we might see each other before that. Of course, you know? of course, bro. Of course, we'll plan something. We'll meet each other soon. We'll see each other soon. Okay, man. Yep, no doubt. Call, brother. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah. Shout out to the chat. Peace to Knicks Nation. And I'll see you guys next time, man. Peace. Later.